so excited to continue our theme on the topic, Beloved. Thank you, Praise Team. We gave y'all a little healing place punch for y'all glass this morning. Amen. God bless you. That's how we get down. Do me a favor. Lift your cup up before the Lord, everybody. And would you humbly say, fill my cup, Lord. Come on, you can do it better than that. Fill my cup, Lord. And let it overflow. I'm excited to preach for you this morning. Before I do, it's important to me that you hear this. I love you. I value this opportunity that I have to sow the seeds of the word of God into your life. Today I pray that those seeds are going to bring somebody a harvest and make a difference in your life. Last week we had in our amazing launch, our fall launch, and here at CGNE. So again, welcome to everybody. We're excited that you're here for our fall semester. And I particularly am excited to see what God is going to do in our church this fall. I hope we all want to see it. I feel something brewing. I feel that there's an energy here. There's an excitement here. I think that we are experiencing church to come before the storm. Also, we launched new ministries in our discipleship class. Pastor Eric did an amazing job getting us started on our new series entitled Belong. Well, over the next couple of weeks, we're all going to explore and contemplate just what it means to belong. You and, all, you and I have all been a part of some entity, and we have all felt the pain that transpired in letting us know that even though we showed up for something, and even though we were faithful to it, something happened to let us know we didn't quite fit. We didn't quite belong. We mostly look at belonging as a way of having our needs met within the confines of an entity or relationship where we invest our time. But as you and I will discover today, belonging is not just taking, but much more it is bringing and giving. Some of the greatest pain is finding out that you want to belong, but you do not qualify. I got told the church a couple of weeks ago of a very painful story in my path when I wanted to belong to the football team at Indiana State University. But I was rejected because there was an entrance standard and a qualification that I did not meet. In our text today, you and I should be excited because there is a club to which we can all belong. Because the entrance standards and the qualification for belonging is simply, y'all, our ability to believe. The entrance fees have been paid, so to be clear, you can't pay your way in, but you can believe your way in. But as we will discover today, that belonging has its benefits and its responsibilities. And one of the greatest responsibilities of belonging is simply availability. Because the best ability is availability, our ability to stay connected. Turn with me, everybody, to Hebrews chapter 10. It's where we will draw our text from today. I'm excited to preach to you. And I'm excited about our fall launch. I love Common Ground Northeast. I love what God is doing here. There's a word from the Lord, and it's in Hebrews, uh, beginning with uh, chapter 10, beginning with verse 19. The word writer simply says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, 
and with the full assurance of faith that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled, cleansing our hearts from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess for he is promised, who he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward the love and good deeds, toward love and good deeds. Not giving up the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But you and I should be looking to encourage one another. And even more as we see the day approaching for just a few minutes, I want to raise this thought uh, in, in, in front of you. My subject today is just calling us to consider this, that, 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 that perhaps we are at conclusion, but, but, but we're, the text is bringing all of us back to consideration. And there's something that the text wants us to consider. Before you make up your mind about engagement and before you make up your mind about involvement and how much and if, there's something that you should understand that the text begs us to consider and it's just simply this thing. Before you make up your mind, factor into your decision the fact that I need you. I need you. I need you to survive. There is something that you have that I need. So after this text today, you see that we all have access to God. God has made a way for all of us to belong. There's an enemy that would delight to deny us that access. But God has overcome our enemies. And somebody celebrate with me. Today, because of the blood of Jesus, we all belong. So to be clear that when you behold this work that God has done on the cross in no particular order and you believe, just believing in this causes you and I to have access. Now we all belong. And when and if you belong, there's another level that people who belong are also required to behave. That there's something that should signify to the world that you belong to Christ. And there's something that should signify to the world that we belong to God and we, church, belong to one another. And God has blessed us because the fruit of who we are in Christ, we get to prove it and how we deal with one another. I'm not famous, but if I ever am, it would be because God gave me this revelation that you are no more a Christian than the way you treat people. That ain't gonna get me there, is it? <laughs> that ain't gonna get me there. So here it is, here it is, Hebrews chapter 19. Let's go back to the text. The writer first begs us to behold the possibilities. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have this confidence to enter the holy place, the work of Jesus on the cross, by a new and living way for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have this great priest of the house, and so first of all, you and I are encouraged to see what's possible now, to behold these new possibilities, that there are no parameters, there's no limitations, that we can go as far as our faith in God will take us. Do I have anybody here that is excited about the fact that things I used to do, I don't have to do them anymore. I've been delivered. I've been set free. The blood of Jesus cleanses me. The power of God liberates me. Somebody celebrate that with me. 
and now you can I can go high. So, so, so let's, let's say it's foundational that, that we behold the possibilities. And I can't spend a lot of time on the possibilities because the writer quickly turns the, the, uh, the page. He says, for all of us who behold the possibilities, our next assignment is to embrace the responsibility. That when we walk in the possibilities of the new and living way, that we should not run with the possibilities without understanding the responsibility. And so the first set of responsibilities he directs inwardly, that you and I as individuals who have taken advantage of the blood of Jesus should draw near to God, that, that we should look like the redeemed, that we should act like the redeemed, that we should expand the principles of God, we should expand the concepts of God, that we should, we, should, we should be transformed, watch this church, by the renewing of our minds. That, that, that there should be a change, that there should be something different. That should, we should walk into areas and that now you and I have a power because of this new and living way that we can literally speak those things which be not as if they were. We can maximize and not minimize because of the power that is upon us. Our hope, the writer says, is in God. And that hope is as faithful as God is faithful. And God is faithful because the book of Lamentations tells us this. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. Y'all, that's what we're anchoring our life on. They are new every morning. And so the writer concluded that, look, God, great is your faithfulness. That if I am not walking in it, it's not God's fault. Because the writer said that every morning I get up, God has a brand new dose of faithfulness out there for me. So it's never God, it's always me. Because the writer concluded that great is the faithfulness of God. So the writer says that, that you now can advance your position. You now can do better. You now can have joy in your home. You now can have peace in your life. You now uh, can be the victor. You can be the head and not the tail. You can be the lender and not the borrower. Am I preaching to somebody? Amen. Because of this great and living way. And he says, now wait a minute. Just before you run off and go do this thing and make it all about you. Now, he, 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 here, here it is, here it is. So the first section is you get on the airplane the first section is just talking about put your mask on. It says simply, it says, wait a minute, get yourself together, and then you'll be better equipped and more qualified to help someone else. And so, so here, here, here's the part where it talks about, the writer talks about, you may have to help somebody else put their mask on too, though. But make sure you put yours on first. Am I preaching to somebody? So, so here it is, here it is. The behavior... The second part of behavior is let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. This is the goal of your doing better. This should be the net result. This is why God touched you. This is why God blessed you. This is why God lifted you. This is why, why you can look back and see where the Lord has brought you from. But, but that's not just for you. It is so that you're better equipped, better positioned to help someone else. 
He says, one of the ways we might be able to do that is to commit to connecting with other people. Commit to the assembly, commit to gathering. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. That some of us take the blessings of God, the anointing of God, and we only use them as far as we are personally convicted or indicted. But the writer says, no, 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 no. Go back. Use it to bless the community and commit to being a blessing. And then he gives us his last caveat. He says, even as much as you see the day of Jesus Christ appearing. So the text is saying to those who have reached a particular conclusion about how to use the anointing of God, how to use this new and living way, how to use this new freedom. And, and, and we have a juxtaposition, and we have picked our ratio that this much is for me, and this much is for God and other people. And so the writer begs us to come back to the center and reevaluate that, recalculate that, look at that again. He said the majority of it should be for other people. That give, the Bible says, and then wait a minute, wait a minute, then it shall be given unto you. That that thing is a boomerang. You're supposed to release that anointing. You're supposed to release those blessings and then see how God brings them back to you. Let me break the text down and then I'm going to finish here in just a second. So this is amazing. I'm cool. None of my notes are there. But I'm cool. I got it. So here's what the writer says. Here's what the writer says. So as God has blessed you and as God has prospered you, the writer says that I want you to consider a few things. The first thing you should consider is just what God went through to open this up for you. So, so wait a minute. That's a miracle, though. Because we used to sing a, church, a song in church that says, he didn't have to do it, but he did. Because none of us were worthy of what he did to buy us back, to buy us back into this place. And that, that, that you should not run off and, and take the blessings of God and not understand that, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, that just didn't grow on a tree. The blood of Jesus paid for that. That you should come back and recognize, just like when he said the 10 lepers and, and one of them came back, you should be the one to come back and say, God, I thank you that, that, that listen, I didn't deserve this. I wasn't worthy, but I thank you for blessing me. So we should understand the price that has been paid for that. Y'all, we should understand that, 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 that not only was there a great price, but the blood of Jesus solidified that for us. And not only that, y'all, we should, we should walk in a way that says, God, because you have blessed me, I want to be used to bless other people. So let me give you the five reasons that I need you and that we should all commit to connecting to the house of God. So all this sermon is right now, post-pandemic. The pandemic did a number on us, y'all. And we survived after the pandemic though it's not over, and we have different ideas about gathering and connecting with people. But the enemy of the church 
would love to use this season that scattered us and caused us to be damaged and caused us to operate in isolation. But what the writer is saying that, y'all, we can't fall victim to his plan, that we have to fight our way back to the church. We have to fight our way back to connection. We have to fight our way back into this, with this understanding that I need it and it needs me. We need your gifting. We need your anointing. We need your talent. We need the liberty and the freedom that you operate in to be directed toward other people, to be directed toward the assembly of God. There's something that God has given you. There's an anointing, there's a peace, there's a joy, there's some money, there's something in a way that you've been prospered and you've been enriched. And yes, I'm glad that it blesses your life. But the writer asks you to consider this, to consider, take in new facts. So let me, let me, let me get this. The first one is, let me remember my notes. I wrote the sermon. I really did. Uh, so, oh, the writer says, confidence. That some of us have been touched by God, and we have gained from that a great level of confidence. That we're confident in who God is in our life. We understand the anointing of God. We understand the call of God on our life, and we apply that to our lives. We pray over our children. We pray over our family, and we're seeing results. So I have my preaching to anybody this morning that's applying the principles of God, and you're seeing them work in your life. Do I have that person in here? Come on, say amen. It's me. God is blessing me. I'm, I'm being increased. I'm being enlarged. The Bible says that if that is true, then you need to come to the assembly because you have confidence in the things of God. You have confidence that serving God works. And then when you come in here, y'all, you don't know who's in here. There's somebody in here that just stumbled their way in here. There's somebody in here that don't even know why they're here. They're broken. They're hurting. I, we were in the women's meeting yesterday, and there was a young lady here. She just began to cry because, because this place, y'all, y'all, it, it is where God beckons the confident and the less confident. And if you are one of the confident, then you have been assigned here. You have been sent here. You have been called here to share some of what you have with somebody who's broken, with somebody who's hurting, with somebody who's lost. Not everybody comes in here with a full battery, y'all. But God has sent you so that you can take some cables and hook up your anointing to someone who stalled out. And if you hook your life up to their life, how many people know they'll get going because of the anointing that's on your life? That God has called you to use your confidence. That thing that you have, that someone else struggles to have. I know God, I trust him, I believe in him, but I don't have what you have. And God says, I need you to commit to gathering so that you can use your confidence. Number two is the cultural work that God has called Common Ground Northeast to do. I'll come back to that. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, that's easy now. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm chilled now. We're trying to do something that not many people are trying to do. We're trying to build a church in a culture 
does not, does not appreciate what we're trying to build. I want y'all to feel that. So I'll come back to contribution. I'm good. Don't worry about me. I'm riding high now. <laughs> so we need the church so that we can do the cultural work, right, that God has called us to do. We are different. We do see it differently. We do think about it differently. Not to acknowledge that would be naive of us. Yet, we're called to reflect the universal God. We're called to reflect his universality. That takes all of us. So we have to, in this place, right, is where we can learn. But not only that, learn with people who love us, people who will forgive us when we step on their toes, people who we know they offended us, but I know them. I know they didn't mean to offend me. When we bring these cultures together, there will be offenses. There will be things. But this is the place where we can learn. So I, got, I think I got a little joke for you. Here's what happened. Here's what happened. Uh, so Wednesday, we're in Preaching Collective, and we were talking about this. So you guys know that a large part of mine and Pastor Eric's job since I've been here is we lock ourselves in a room and we just push each other theologically and we push each other. We just, and then when we get done, ain't no furniture in the right place. Like we go in there and tear the place up. <laughs> that's, that's how we get down. And then we survive, we smile, and we preach on Sunday, right? But all week, you know, like I, got, I wear these jackets because I'm bruised. Like he'd be killing me, right? <laughs> so, so here's how it happens. Here's how it happens. So, so I want to say that in the time I've been here, I've never considered myself outside of this church. Like, like all the bruising, and I was just like, oh, no, man. I'm going to be here. But it did happen for the first time the other day. And it wasn't theological. It wasn't scriptural, right? Like, we were having a conversation about Minister Wade in the last, uh, the last family picnic. We're going to have one next week that Wade went and brought big bottles of hot sauce and said, we got to have hot sauce because everybody wants that on their chicken. And, and, Eric, <laughs> and Eric and Jody just said, okay. And he said, <laughs> and he said to me, I've never heard of hot sauce on chicken. And then we moved on. I said, ho, 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 partner, ho, ho, ho. You got to be kidding me. You, you never had hot sauce on your chicken? He said, never. I never heard of such. I don't even know nobody who had. And then it was right then that I said, God, why am I at this church? Because <laughs> this is how we get down, y'all. Like, I'm like, God, I can't pastor with him. He ain't about this hot sauce life. <laughs> Here's what's true. I never in my adult life had a piece of chicken that didn't have this on it. <laughs> so let me help y'all uh, uh, if you're not familiar with black culture. When a black person say that you got some hot sauce, before you say, yeah, let me temper that. <laughs> this is what they talking about, y'all. You got to have some of this. Go buy some of this in case some of your black friends come over. You can pull this out. <laughs> Here's how deep this is. Here's how deep this is. In the pandemic, my wife, on a chain text, some of my cousins said, 
they're going to shut down the Frank's hot sauce factory. Bro, we went out and brought four of these. <laughs> like, we might run out of toilet paper, but we ain't. We ain't about to run out of this. It's culture, y'all. I would literally say that. I know people who keep that in their purse and in their glove compartment. But I, I, so, so it's culture. It's this culture work that, that we, we have to do. So not, it wasn't theology, man. It's like, bro, you don't do hot sauce. I'm going to have to cut up out of here, man. This is, this is not going to work for me. The cultural work is very important. But you have to come and avail yourself to that. I need you to love me enough not to understand me, but still love me. Because we do see it differently. Our contribution, what has God given you that would make us better? We're not complete. We're a struggling church. We're trying to find our identity. We're trying to find our way. And, and this beautiful 90-year-old lady said to me, now, Ken, I want you to know, in the beginning, all things are hard. That's what she said to me when I started here. Uh, so we're still in this new beginning. And it's hard, y'all. We ain't there yet. There's a lot, if you look at us, there's probably a lot to be desired. But instead of leaving us or deciding not to be with us, bring your contribution and help us. Help us build. Help us be what God has called us to be. Share in the vision of what we're supposed to be. Don't leave us. Help us. Bring this something you, what you're taking, what you would take away is probably exactly what we need. Bring what God has given you to help us. I need you to love me enough to share what God has given you with me. I need you to love me enough to let me jump my battery off of yours. I forgot what it is. Just go on and put it up there and I'll preach it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. This one won't make sense to you. I'm greater. I need you to love me enough to let us have conflict. I need you for conflict. Conflict is a need that I have. I spent the better part of my ministry, uh, 15 years at the Healing Place, and I would tell people, like, my sweet spot in ministry is not up here. My sweet spot in ministry is behind a closed door, just me and you. That's where I'm most uniquely gifted, is coaching and counseling. So, because I've counseled a lot, I've come to a few conclusions about conflict. And here's what I believe about conflict. The person that always tries to avoid conflict is the person who has decided to never grow.
that if you don't embrace conflict, conflict is not the problem. Not knowing how to manage and navigate conflict, that's the problem. Right? So conflict for the person who wants to grow, for the entity that wants to grow, conflict is our best friend. Because here's what's true. Now, I've counseled to this. If somebody says we're married, but we don't have conflict at all, here's what I know. I know that one of y'all is checked out. <laughs> one of y'all don't care no more. I'm like, only one of y'all married. <laughs> only one of y'all want to see the vision. A church that never has conflict ain't doing nothing. It ain't going nowhere doesn't aspire to anything. Tension is how we grow. Or the second thing is, one of you has broken the will of the other of you. And so now one of you doesn't even try. But in a healthy relationship, conflict. I need you to love me enough for us to have conflict but not let the sun go down on our wrath. For us to grow through tension. Because not to understand conflict or to always see conflict as a reason to bail, jump out, quit, forget it. If the enemy knows you believe that, then all he has to do to stop you is just add elements of conflict. But you and I have to be strong enough to tell the devil, conflict ain't no thing. We don't do conflict for conflict's sake, but we embrace it and we work through it and we learn how to let the Lord and the Holy Spirit bring us to oneness. And then the fifth one is comfort. I need you because you may have a confidence that I don't have at any given time. Also, you may not, and I may be stronger than you, and I can help you. I need your contribution. There's a great call for culture on this church. This church is unique. We should embrace that. We should be excited about that. We should have a vision of what that's going to look like in the future. This church might actually have the chance to look like heaven. And we should be excited about that. And we should work toward that. And we should not let conflict destroy that. We should love one another through conflict. Right? Then there's the fifth element, which simply says, the writer says, we'll be able to comfort one another and to help one another in our trials and in our burdens. So you know, you know, you know on May 6th, I went to the hospital, got the shock of my life. Um, they told me I had cancer. I'm like, bro, like, I came here to see that was I having a heart attack. Uh, I take the heart attack, actually. <laughs> Neither one, but I didn't want cancer. 
so my wife and I were driving home, and the first person that I called, my brother, I called Pastor Eric. It's like, look, dog, man, like, well, they're talking crazy in the hospital today. And I don't know what this is going to look like, but I called him to say, I'm going to need you on my team on this one. I, I need your strength. Because ain't nobody ever told me this before, and I don't know how to do this, but I know I can't do this by myself. And then I told the staff, and then I told the church, and then I felt like it was our burden, and I personally took comfort in that. Right? So let me tell you why I know unequivocally. This is off the notes preaching, y'all. Uh, why I know unequivocally there's two things at this church, and I'm done, that, okay, here I know, here's, here's why I don't have my notes, because I'm supposed to tell y'all something that I wouldn't tell you if I was on my notes. You don't know me, but I have a gift. I'm so confident in the development of my gift over time. I thank you, Holy Ghost. I'll see clearly what I'm supposed to say now. So I've been cultivated over time, right? 12, 11 brothers and sisters, whatever my life is, I'll tell you that later. But there's something when I was on the way to school in the third grade that I felt God put his hand on me, right? And all what I've been through and whatever like that. But I believe about myself now that if I get there, this is not brag, this is, this is development over time. So you do not got no service if you don't know who you are either. Whenever I get there, I know God is ready to move. That's what I think about my gift. That's not bragging because I never do what is necessary when I get there. God does it. I just get there, see it, and call on God. Amen. That's how it works. So two things unequivocally. I know about this scenario right here, right now, right? And this is how I flow. The fact that I met Abby Stevens probably seven years before I came here, for me is unequivocal. Nobody can tell me. I know God is getting ready to move here. The fact that the day I found out I didn't have cancer, I was sitting having lunch with Greg Stevens. So now I know, right, like, this stuff can't be. Y'all got to feel me now. Feel me now. I know this is happening. I know this is real. I, I couldn't walk away from it if I wanted to. There's a supernatural element to what's going on here. Right? So now, it doesn't matter to me how hard it gets. Right? It doesn't matter to me, the conflict, the, the culture, any of that. None of that matters to me. Because here's what I know. There's a move just like an axe. The requirement for what God was going to do. He told them in Acts 1 and 4, but go to Jerusalem. Go to Jerusalem. And then I'm going, when y'all are all together and don't leave, don't divide, don't quit, don't give up. It may not happen tomorrow. But stay there, right? 
And I think that's the message for Common Ground Northeast. Look, this thing, it may not happen tomorrow, but y'all go there and y'all stay there and y'all wait on me. And if y'all stay, and when the day of Pentecost will fully come, when I was ready, y'all had still met the requirements. Y'all were still all in one place, on one accord. And then the Bible says suddenly. And y'all, what we have to do with Common Ground Northeast is y'all, we have to stay together and qualify for our suddenly. We just got to qualify for our suddenly. We got to stay together. We got to work it out. We got to go through the hills and mountains, whatever. Because we see it now. There's a supernatural component to it. It's undeniable. We know it. It's going to happen. We are unique. We are called. We are chosen. The Holy Spirit wants to be released in this place. And we need everybody on board. Nobody here is indispensable. You're not disposable. There's something that you have that God has given you. You have to bring, you have to join the fight. We need one another. I'm very clear, I've never had this happen in all my life. I've never lost my notes. I've not always gone by them, but I've never lost them. <laughs> so it is clear to me that God wanted to say something that I wasn't going to say. I think we have a very unique opportunity here. We cannot let the devil destroy what God is doing here. I don't know when, but I know we'll get there. But what we need everybody to do is to look at your life and commit to coming and connecting and gathering and contributing and bringing your confidence, bringing your gifting more so than less so. If everybody would just say, I'm going to do better. I'm going to try because here's what I know now. They need me. It needs me. And if we will commit to doing that, then I know that this thing can be ushered in. Amen.